Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. We are so excited that you joined us today. Our lead pastor, Pastor James Lair, is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon. We're continuing our series on Well With My Soul. Believe it or not, this is sermon number 16. Yeah, we've been here a while. We've been in and out and taking some breaks. I figure we'll get to 20 and then we'll be done. So hang with me just for a few more weeks. Whatever our circumstances may be, it can still be well with our soul. And just as we sing, great is his faithfulness. That's why we can, it can be well with our soul because we know God is faithful. He will see us through every circumstance that we may face. And so no matter how difficult life may be, we can still have peace in our hearts. And that's what God wants us to have. But there are certain principles that we need to learn and to apply in our lives. And I've been sharing those principles with you. God's word is so practical. That's what I love about the Bible. You can apply it to everyday life. Whatever your circumstances may be, God has guidance and an answer for us. And so if we can apply these principles that we're studying, then I believe that it can be well with our soul no matter what our circumstances may be in life. Last week I talked about Jesus was traveling from Judea in the south to Galilee in the north, and the the most direct route was through an area called Samaria. The Samaritans were considered a mixed race and were not considered pure-blood Jews, and as a result there was prejudice, bitter prejudice, and racism between the Samaritans and the Jewish people, and it had gone on for generations. But Jesus had to go through Samaria because he was on a mission to meet a woman who needed a savior. And Jesus and his disciples came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, which means liar or drunkard. And so we know that the woman at the well fit in very closely and apropos with the town she lived in. However, all that would change when she would meet Jesus. So Jesus was tired from this journey, and so while his disciples went to find food, he sat down by a well known as Jacob's Well. And we pick up our story here in John chapter 4, verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Therefore, for it to be well with our soul, we must, number one, know the living water. Jesus said to this woman, If you knew who it was standing talking to you, if you knew the gift of God that was before you right now, it would be different. See, she didn't know. She didn't know who Jesus was. She didn't know the gift of God that stood right before her. Now, she had been hoping for the Messiah as well because the Samaritans, 
like the Jews, were expecting a Messiah to come to save them. But she did not know the difference between water and living water. But she would come to know that source. Where does it come from? Look with me in Jeremiah 17, verse 13. We find the source of living water because this phrase, living water, is used throughout the Bible, Old and New Testament. And so I want to take a few of those instances and break them down. O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you will be put to shame. And those who turn away from you will be written in the dust because they have forsaken the Lord, the spring of living water. Now, the book of Jeremiah was written before, during, and after the conquest of Judah by Babylon. The Jewish people had forsaken the Lord, so they were sent into captivity for 70 years. And ever since that time, the people of Israel had longed for the Messiah that was prophesied throughout all of the Old Testament. And as I mentioned, even the Samaritans believed a Messiah would come, and so they were looking for one too. And it shows in this Jeremiah passage that the Lord is the source of living water. He is the spring of the water of life. And the woman would come to know that and what it really meant. And so we need to know the Lord as the only source of living water for us as well. He is the spring of the water of life for our lives. And, he, and there is no other. There is no substitute. God is the source of living water. Now, there are many springs of regular water that will sustain us temporarily for a time, but we will always get thirsty again in the natural. Of course, this is speaking of a spiritual water. The only source of living water that will sustain us forever is this water Jesus was talking about. And so for it to be well with our souls, we need to know the source of living water for ourselves. We also need to, number two, ask for that living water. Jesus asked the woman for water, and then he told her, if you really knew who I was, you'd be asking me for water. The Jews and the Samaritans would not associate with each other, would not even speak to each other. But Jesus, in speaking to her, broke these, these taboos, the cultural taboos and social norms. Prejudice and racism were customary on both sides in that day. How many of you know just because a custom is common doesn't make it right? Just because there's a tradition that people follow doesn't mean it's what's best. And the woman was so surprised, Jesus would even acknowledge her, let alone ask her for something. Initially, this must have been very awkward for her. You can see her discomfort. Why are you talking to me? You know, it was just the two of them. Here's a, a man and a woman, and he's a Jew, and she's a Samaritan. And, and so for her, this was an awkward encounter. This was an awkward situation. Yesterday, we celebrated Jolene's birthday. She's back there on the camera. Happy birthday, Jolene. Yes. Yes. And her favorite restaurant is the Cheesecake Factory. And so, as most of you know, there is no Cheesecake Factory in Bakersfield, so we had to take a road trip. Either have to go two hours north to Fresno or an hour and a half south to Visalia. So we went to Visalia and we got there. I made a reservation because I hate waiting. And sometimes you can wait a long time to get into the Cheesecake Factory. Now all you can do is sit at the counter and stare at all that cheesecake while you're starving to death. But we made it. We got into our seats. And since it had been an hour and a half drive, I needed to use the facilities. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
And so I went into the bathroom and I noticed immediately something didn't feel right. Something was very different. And I stood there for a moment thinking, what is, what's wrong here? Something's going on. And then it dawned on me, there were no urinals. And then lightning struck and I realized, oh my goodness, I must be in the woman's restroom. So I hightailed it out of there before anybody else could come in or anybody, God forbid, walk out of the stall and see me there. I could have been arrested. Well, I guess not these days anymore. But I'm telling you, it was an awkward situation. And I had to come back and tell Jolene, I had to confess to her, I'm sorry, honey, I went into the women's restroom. She just shook her head because I've done it before. <laughs> not on purpose. Trust me, not on purpose. Your pastor is okay. So I understand awkward. And the woman at the well was in an awkward situation. At, at the very least, she was expecting silence or to be snubbed by this Jewish man. At the most, she was probably steeled herself against judgment and prejudice and scorn since Jesus was Jewish and she was a Samaritan. Instead, Jesus talked to her. And not only did he talk to her, he asked her for a drink of water and and not only did he do that, he went even further and offered her a drink of water. And she says, how can you give me water? This well is deep. The well was over 100 feet deep. And he had nothing to draw water from. So Jesus is encountering this woman. And he's masterful at how he's doing it. He's, he's engaging her. He's getting to know her. Her walls are, are going to begin to come down. But Jesus speaks to her, which is an amazing thing in itself. If we want living water, we have to ask for it. And that's what Jesus was offering her. He goes, I have water, but you, you have to ask. You have to ask. You would have, if you knew who I was, you would be asking me for water. And we know who Jesus is, but we need to ask for this living water. In fact, if we want anything from the Lord, we must ask. The Bible says the Lord knows what we need but he still wants us to ask for those things. If we need anything, we should ask for the source of living water in prayer. But asking is not the only part of prayer. Prayer is not just your shopping list to God. Prayer is not just asking. It's not just talking. It involves listening, but it involves more than just asking. Look at this passage in Luke 11 verses 9 and 10 in the Amplified Bible. So I say to you, these are the words of Jesus, ask and keep on asking. Now this is important because the word in the Greek is not just to ask one time. The word in the Greek is to ask and keep on asking. That's really what the word means. Ask and keep on asking and it shall be given you. Seek and keep on seeking and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking and the door shall be open to you. For everyone who asks and keeps on asking receives. And he who seeks and keeps on seeking finds. And to him who knocks and keeps on knocking, the door shall be opened. You see, it's not just asking once and done. We need to ask and keep on asking. Prayer is a process of not asking one time, but persisting in seeking the Lord. So we need to ask, but we also need to seek. We need to seek the Lord. We need to seek for answers. See, prayer isn't just passive. 
asking for God and then doing nothing. No, we are to ask and then we're to seek out answers from God's word. We're to seek out the scriptures. We're to seek out the will of the Lord. And not only is, are we to ask and seek, but we're also to knock on doors until one opens. Prayer is not just asking. Prayer is a process of asking, seeking, and knocking until the door is opened. God wants us to be faithful in that. Too often we just ask once and go away and never ask again. Or we ask and keep on asking, but we don't take that next step where we need to go seek it out. Seek out the answer. Seek the Lord. Get closer to God. And the other step of, of knocking on the door. You know, it's, it's part of a process. It's like interviewing for a job. We've been looking for a youth pastor for quite some time now. It's been an interesting process because with COVID and everything going on, there's very few opportunities or people available. And so I've been praying, God, we need a youth pastor. We, we, we need the person you have chosen for such a time for our, for our youth, for our students. And so I've prayed. I've done the asking. But I had to do more than that. I had to actually go looking. I put an ad on churchstaffing.com where people can apply. And I've, I've checked with my friends and my enemies. I've done everything I can to try to find. Because I'm seeking. I'm out there looking. I'm praying. But I'm looking too. And I believe with the praying and the seeking and the knocking that at the right time, the right person will answer the door. And that's what prayer is. We ask, we seek, and we knock. And so for it to be well with our souls, we need to practice prayer this way. We need to practice asking and continuing to ask. We need to seek. We need to seek the Lord. We need to seek the scriptures. And we need to knock on doors when God prompts us and directs us. That's why we need to be sensitive to his leading. In addition, we should, number three, receive the living water. We need to know the source. We need to ask for the living water, but we also need to receive it. We need to accept it. And Jesus had said, if you knew the gift that I am giving you. See, she had, he was giving it, but she had to receive it. After seeking and knocking and asking, we need to make ourselves ready for the answer, to receive what God has for us. But what exactly is living water? This confused the lady. She thought he was talking about well water, but Jesus was talking about some other kind of water. And so what is that? I think it's important for us to know as well. If we're to, if we're to long for living water, what does that mean? Well, the Bible explains it. That's what I love about the Bible. It explains itself. And we see it explained in John 7, 37 through 39. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. So there it is. And then it's defined. Verse 39. By this, he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not been glorified. And so Jesus promised that when he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, that he would send the Spirit, the Counselor. And that's the Holy Spirit is the living water that we need. And that's, the, that's what Jesus was offering this woman, this living water, the Holy Spirit, 
Because she may have been thirsty physically, but she was desperately thirsty in her soul. She had five husbands. She's trying to catch up with Liz Taylor. Remember her? She had, and the guy she was with now, she wasn't married to. And so she, she was a, a, an interesting woman. And she had had a lot of challenges. And she brought a lot of things in her life to try to satisfy her thirst. And none of them satisfied. What she needed was the Holy Spirit. It's what we need as well. If we're to receive this living water, we must first believe. That's what Jesus said. Whoever believes in me will receive this living water. And so we, we have to believe in the gift of the Holy Spirit. And when the Spirit is in you, streams of living water will flow in your heart. There's nothing like the, the Spirit in your life. When we sense the Spirit moving in worship, when you sense the tug of the Holy Spirit in your heart, the waters, the living waters are in you. And there's nothing like the, the living water of the Holy Spirit. I encourage you, drink of the Holy Spirit. And it will go well with our souls when we believe and we receive this living water. Additionally, we have to, number four, trust. Trust this living water. Trust in the Lord. Trust in God. The woman said to Jesus, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Now this is the first baby step of faith that the woman is offering. She's just starting to say, okay, this guy is different. This guy is different than all the other guys I've known. And so she's beginning to, to, see, to seek after. She, she's beginning to wonder who this is. And she's taking a step of faith because she asks. You know, when you ask in prayer, that shows faith. It shows that you depend on the Lord, that you trust in the Lord for the answer. And so she's stepping out. And Jesus says, everyone who drinks from this well will get thirsty again. But I've got water that if you drink, you will never thirst. And so she says, give me this water. She's beginning to put her trust in Jesus because she knows she cannot put her trust in herself or in any other man or any other person. You see, she had a sordid past and a scandalous reputation. She probably was not liked by the other women in the city. She had that, that scarlet letter on her. And so there's a reason she was coming to the well at the hottest time of the day. Most women would come to the well in the cool of the morning or the cool of the evening, but she came in the midday in the heat because no one else, she hoped no one else would be there that knew her. She wanted anonymity because she knew if she came where with the other women, there would be scorn, there would be gossip, there would be disdain. And so she thought if she had this living water, I'd never have to come to this well again. I'd never have to see people again. People I don't want to run into. People I don't want to see. Jesus, give me this water so I don't have to live with this shame. What she didn't realize is Jesus wasn't speaking of literal physical water. But it was something even better. Something even greater. Because she could hide from her shame but the living water would set her free from her shame. You see, we have to trust the living water. Our trust shouldn't be in other sources, other people, not even in ourselves. 
Sometimes we get to a point where we think we can do this on our own. We don't need God anymore. I'm here to tell you, the longer you know God, the longer you know you need God. It never gets less and less. It becomes more and more. Look at Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. Here's the danger. If we've known the Lord a long time, here's the danger of what could happen. Because that's what happened with Judah. They had served the, God, served the Lord a long time, and they began to drift away. And so the prophet says, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water. So that's the first sin. They forsook the Lord. They left the Lord. They stopped depending on the Lord. They stopped trusting in the Lord. And here's the second sin. And have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. A cistern was a hollowed out place in the rock that would store water. And there were many of them throughout the cities, especially walled cities that could come under attack, the thing you would run out, run out of the quickest is water. And so they would build these cisterns. I actually saw one in Jerusalem that was built by King Herod to hold gallons and gallons of water during the drought. The problem is these cisterns, if, it weren't, if they weren't built properly, they would leak and you'd lose all the water. And so what had happened with the people of Judah is they stopped depending on the Lord and they started depending on themselves. They left the Lord and they started trusting in their own military might instead of the captain of the hosts. And they dug their own cisterns, but these would be broken and they would not hold water. You see, there is a time to dig a well. We've talked about that. But you should never dig a well without God's help. You should never think you can do it all by yourself, all on your own. The Bible says pray about everything, even the little things. Pray about everything. Do, do not be anxious about anything, but pray about it. Instead of anxiety, we need prayer. Instead of being anxious, we need to seek and find and knock. And so it only goes well with our souls when we trust the living water and not ourselves, our own talents, our own knowledge. Every day, we should ask for God's help. Lord, help me. Help me in my marriage. Help me as a parent. Help me on the job. Lord, help me. I depend on you, Lord. I trust in you. I don't trust in myself. I trust in you. There's something about when we trust in God for everything, even for the little things. It pleases God. When you have that kind of faith where you're gonna depend on the Lord and you're going to walk with him all throughout the day. And you're going to say, Lord, I trust you. You're going to drink of that living water. It'll change your life. Finally, for it to go well with our soul, number five, we need to drink the living water. You see, we need to know the source of living water. We need to ask for living water. We need to receive it. But we also need to trust in it and finally drink of it. The water will do you no good if it stays in the cup, right? It may, it may look good. It may look clear and clean and maybe even cold. May, the glass may even be sweating. You know, it's so cold. It's, the glass is sweating. I mean, that can look so good, but it does you no good. It will not quench your thirst until you drink it. We have to drink of the Holy Spirit. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? It's a spiritual thirst. It's a spiritual water. It's for our soul. And I'm telling you, the Bible says so much about having a thirsty soul. 
that my soul longs after the Lord like a deer pants for the water brook, so my soul thirsts after God. There's something about thirsting for God. And you don't know how good living water is until you drink it. When I, between my junior year and senior year of high school, I went to a wrestling camp in Squaw Valley. Let me know where Squaw Valley's at, up in the mountains. And unlike during the wrestling season, we could eat anything and as much as we wanted. During wrestling season, I was always starved to death, cutting weight, losing weight, and fasting and not eating. And you even had to be careful about drinking water before weigh-ins. Now, I had... This is going to gross you out, but it's okay. Because uh, sometimes it was water weight that would put you overweight. And so I, I was in Tonopah, Nevada, as I shared, for, in the middle of nowhere. So we'd go to a wrestling tournament. It'd take five hours to get there on the bus. But I found if I, I would chew this certain gum, I could spit in a cup and lose a pound of water weight on that trip. <laughs> now, that's disgusting. But as a wrestler, you have to do a lot of disgusting things. And so, but there at the wrestling camp, we're not trying to make weight. So we could drink all the juice and soda. And for me, my, my favorite be beverage in the world is sweet tea. Bless God. I, I should have been born in the South. I, I just love sweet tea. Now that I'm older, it's Splenda tea. It's not quite sugar tea, but... But even we could have all that we wanted to drink. But what amazed me is up in Squaw Valley, the, thing, the, the beverage that tasted the best to me was the water that came out of the tap in our room. I don't know what it is about the water in Squaw Valley. I don't know if it comes from a spring or what. But I have never known water to taste so good. And it was so cold when you drank it right out of the fog. Man, I just... just drink water. I didn't need to drink anything else because that water tasted so good and was so cold and so delicious. I didn't know water could taste so good. Man, that water was incredible. And the living water satisfies like no other. You see, our, our souls thirst for living water. It's the only thing that will satisfy. But you know what? We're filling our souls with other things. And it doesn't satisfy. There's, we're, we're drinking of the world. We are trying to find satisfaction for our thirst in the things of this world. And how many know the things of this world will never satisfy? When three of the richest men in the world are getting divorces, how many know money doesn't satisfy? Doesn't necessarily save a marriage. And so I, I just find it tragically ironic that three of the richest men in the world have, are, are all going through divorces. Because you would think when you have everything, that's all you need. But when you think you have everything, you still want more. You see, if you have, because nobody has everything, but even if you have almost everything, guess what? You want the thing you cannot have. Instead of being satisfied with what you have, then you want what you cannot have. And so I want us to do a soul check today. Are you drinking some other kind of 
beverage, not, not literally. I'm not talking literally. Iced tea is still blessed of the Lord. It's okay. <laughs> but in your soul, are you looking for something in this world to quench the thirst of your soul? I'm here to tell you the only thing that will quench the thirst in your soul is the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God Almighty is the only thing that will satisfy the longing of our souls. We can try, and this woman tried. She tried to satisfy her soul with five different men, six counting the one she was with. She tried everything, the town, you're a liar and a drunkard. I mean, that, that was where she lived, and that's what she did, and none of it satisfied. And yet God so loved this woman. I want you to know God still loves sinners. We need to realize that. He doesn't just love saints. He loves the sinners. In fact, God's really partial toward prodigals. I mean, he rejoices when prodigals come home. And so we need to see that God loved this woman so much that he, he went through Samaria to meet her because God saw what she could be. And so she had been, she had been drinking all right, all, of, all from the wrong wells, drinking from the wrong wells. Are we filling our souls with something temporary that takes, takes the place of living water? The living water wells up to bring us eternal life. This is why we drink of it. The living water of the Holy Spirit quenches our thirst like none other and gives us eternal life. Look at Revelation 7, 9, 16 through 17. Again, this is where the phrase living water is used. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. That's just to give us context. This is heaven. Verse 16, never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Wow, is that not awesome? The Lord Jesus will lead us to springs of living water. He is the lamb at the center of the throne, and we will never hunger again. We will never thirst again. We will never hurt again. And we will never grieve again because Jesus will wipe away the tears from our eyes. There's no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more pain, no more disease, no more dying when we drink of this water because it will satisfy forever in heaven. And I love this. Look at the crowd that's going to be in heaven. Look at this crowd. People from every nation, tribe, people, and language will be there. Jews and Samaritans included. You and me included. That's what heaven's going to be. Every tribe, every language. Can you imagine us worshiping around the throne of God in every known language, in heavenly languages, before the Lord God, because we drank of the living water. 
Would you bow your heads with me today? Close your eyes. If you're here today and you have never accepted Jesus Christ, he is offering you living water today. You've come to a place where nothing will satisfy. Nothing in this world will meet your needs. So I want to give you a chance to give your life to Jesus Christ, just like this woman. Give you a chance to drink of spiritual living water. If you've walked away from the Lord, it's time to come home. You've been drinking from a whole bunch of other wells and they don't satisfy. And so if you'd like to give your life to Jesus Christ today or if you'd like to come back home, would you just slip up your hand? Anyone in this place? I'm gonna give your life to Jesus. Amen. For any of those that are watching today, would you just lift your hand as well? It's a step of faith, just like that woman took a step of faith to ask. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And for those of you who are accepting Jesus for the first time or coming back to the Lord, I encourage you to repeat these words after me. And those of you who are believers, would you join with them so they know they're not alone, but they're part of a family. Would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, I believe. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you rose from the dead. Dear Jesus, I receive, I receive you into my heart and life. Make me a new person. And thank you for eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, We'd invite you to take this card and next steps and there's a place where you can check because we want to follow up with you and help you on your journey. If you're watching online, please text the word born again to 94090 so we can contact you and help you on your journey to drink of that living water. Would you stand with me? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Thank you for tuning in today. We are so excited that you joined us. If you chose to say yes to Christ today, we would love for you to text the word born again, all one word to 94090. By doing so, you will receive more information on your next steps in following Christ. We meet every Sunday at 830 and 11 a.m. right here in Bakersfield, California at 4901 California Avenue. We would love for you to join us in person. Also, we have a live stream service at 11 a.m. every Sunday morning. You can find us on YouTube and Facebook. If you'd like more information about Bakersfield First Assembly of God, you can search us on the internet at bakersfieldfirst.com. Thank you for joining us today and have a blessed week.